Amen. Good morning. Please be seated. As I mentioned earlier, my name is Craig Thompson. I'm the senior pastor here, and it is our privilege to have you with us this morning. I'm glad to be back. I was on vacation last week. Excuse me. I was on vacation last week. I'm so grateful uh, for a staff that just takes over and takes care of everything while I'm gone. Uh, I understand that Pastor Kevin did a great job with his sermon last week. I heard good things there and uh, just didn't have to worry about a thing. Everything was taken care of. So uh, really appreciate our, our, our deacons and other leadership, all you life group leaders. And uh, those of you who just serve our church in such a variety of ways and step in and fill in the gaps um, uh, for me to be going on vacation. Not just on vacation, I was away with our students at Infuge the week before that. So I have, I have been out of pocket for two weeks and I am just, I'm, I'm anxious to get back and, and get back to work um, here. A couple of announcements I do need to make reference to. Next Sunday, we do have a Next Steps class scheduled at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So if you've been visiting with us and um, you'd like to know a little bit more about what it would mean to perhaps join our church, uh, maybe just have some questions you're not sure, uh, I would love to have you meet with us 4 o'clock next Sunday afternoon. We'll be meeting. There's a classroom right behind that exit sign. So we'll be meeting right in there at 4 o'clock next Sunday afternoon. Also, next Sunday evening has been set aside as a life group fellowship. Um, so uh, life group leaders, hopefully you've lined that up. If you haven't, now would be a good time. Uh, well, not right now, but maybe in about five minutes from now. Well, you get it. Um, uh, if you don't have a life group, uh, let, me, let me just say this to you. Life groups are the lifeblood of Malvern Hill Baptist Church. I'm, I love preaching to you. Uh, it is my joy in life. I love to preach. When life goes bad, I want to preach. That's what I do. Uh, I just love being in front of you, but the lifeblood of Malvern Hill Baptist Church are the life groups here where you have an opportunity to uh, make real relationships and real connections with people here, to, to actually grow in your faith through real application of God's Word. So if you don't have a life group, maybe you don't know where to start, there is a, a link on our website that uh, has all the life groups listed. You can go there. But if you would just like to talk to a person about it, see Pastor Kevin. I, I've lost him. There he is. See Pastor Kevin. Uh, he will help you get lined up with a life group there. Uh, maybe he'll give you two or three that you can visit and try out and see which one just fits you and, and your, your, your situation best. All right, we've gotten all those preliminaries out of the way. We're going to now turn to God's Word. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in the book of Mark, chapter 12. Pastor Kevin gave you a break from Mark last week and jumped into Matthew, but we are right back into Mark, and we'll be in Mark for uh, a few more weeks, uh, months, years. We'll see. We're just waiting, trusting the Lord. Um, and I do want to thank uh, our praise team. I love that song. So if y'all don't like it, I'm sorry. We're going to be singing it for a long time uh, because it was my special request. And so Kevin worked hard to get that uh, in for the, for the praise team. So I'm grateful for the efforts that went into that. If you don't like it, please don't tell me. Just pretend that it's your favorite song. I'd appreciate it. And if you don't like it, there's something wrong with you. I mean, it's straight from the Psalms. It's Psalm 34. So, I mean, you know, if you don't like God's Word, that's your own business. <laughs> All right, stand with me in honor of God's Word. We're going to read just a few short verses. I haven't preached in two weeks, so this should be exciting. Beginning in verse 38, and, and in his teaching, he, that's Jesus, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes, and like greetings in the marketplaces, and have the best seats in the synagogues, in the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers, they will receive the greater condemnation. Father God, I pray we would not be known for our pretense, that we would not be known for our long prayers or showy clothes, Lord God, that we would not be known, 
Lord God, for anything save the love of Christ running through us. But God, that we would be known as people of the book, people of the Savior, that we would be your people, bringing your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Bless us this morning. Speak through your word. Hide me behind your cross. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit would do immeasurably more than we could imagine. Father God, I pray today that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would work in the life of someone in this room who showed up expecting nothing. I pray, Lord God, they would leave changed. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. The danger of self-righteousness. Are you a hypocrite? I'm going to tell you, I've been dreading this sermon for quite a while. I sat down with, with uh, I worked most of this out while I was at camp two weeks ago, so I would steal away a few minutes here and there. I told him I can't believe that somebody scheduled for me to preach this sermon coming right off of vacation and camp. But that somebody was me, but we're going to trust that God and his sovereign plan lined all that up. Are you a hypocrite? Are you? Hypocrisy is everywhere. It's in the news all over the place. Just this week, my favorite picture of hypocrisy, I try to avoid politics up here, but Bernie Sanders was my favorite picture of hypocrisy. I can't help it. I'm sorry. Did you see it? Bernie Sanders is advocating for, for, for a, 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 a minimum wage, federal minimum wage, about $15 per person. And yet, this is where it's awesome. Even though he believes that we should all pay that, his campaign workers have unionized and they've come out against him because he's not paying them $15 an hour. Well, now that's a hypocrite, right? And it's real easy for me to find a hypocrite. Man, I see them everywhere I look. But you know why we see hypocrisy so much? Because it terrifies us. Because the biggest hypocrite every one of us knows looks at us in the mirror every single morning. See, here's the reality. The reality is, I know the ugliness that lives inside of Craig Thompson. And if the Apostle Paul could say to us that he was the chief of sinners, I can only tell you that that is only because I had not yet been born. Oh, the reason we hate hypocrites so bad is because we are one. The reason we hate hypocrisy so bad is because, look, it's a whole lot easier for me to shine the light at that hypocrite. Because if I'm shining the light over there, then perhaps nobody will look right back here at me. We got in late yesterday from vacation. And uh, it's just one of those times. The, the, the last few years, we've had all kinds of things go wrong when we get home from vacation um, and, and, and yesterday was, was no different. I, I got home and the garage door wouldn't open, um, and it still won't. Uh, but that's another, it's another issue. I got a guy. Um, and, and, and then, uh, you know, the, the, the lawnmower tore about halfway through getting the grass cut. Uh, one, of, one of our church members came in and said, I was up here working on my sermon, um, and Angela was doing those things for me. And one of our church members flew in and said, you want to know how you know when church people love to hear the preaching of the God's Word? When they're willing to go cut your grass so that you can keep working on a sermon. Uh, and that, that's what happened. But I got home. Nobody volunteered to weed eat. Um, so, uh, uh, but I got home, and I weed-eated my yard at 1030 last night. Y'all should have been there. My neighbor's probably didn't appreciate that I would have loved they, they might have pictures I'm not sure but if you can imagine this is what it looked like for me running the weed eater last night so I'm, I'm out in the front yard and I've got my phone out and I got the light can we turn the lights off so y'all can see this I got 
I got my light on on my phone, and I'm using the flashlight on my phone to see the weed eat. Paint? Oh, look at that. Look at that. That's what it looked like. I'm just weed eating, and that's... You know what? I couldn't see anything except what was right there under that light. Nobody could see my face, but they could see what I was aiming at. And folks, that's why we love to point out a hypocrite so much. Because if I can point out the weeds in somebody else's life, somebody might miss all the mess in my life. As Jesus looks to his followers here, remember, we are still, we're, we're kind of backwards in, in our uh, approach to this because this is all happening before Easter. If you can keep that in mind, all this is taking place before the, resu- before the death and resurrection of Jesus, okay? And so as Jesus is gathered there in the temple, he's already had all these encounters with the Pharisees and the scribes. He's wrestled with the greatest commandment, the rich young ruler. All these things have all happened right in here. And the Bible says that Jesus just looked at his people and he said, Beware of the scribes! Now, we read that, and we just kind of rush through it. We don't, we don't really appreciate exactly what's happening right here. But when he says, beware of the scribes, what he says is, beware of those who are preaching and teaching to you the things of the Lord. Beware the preachers. Beware the pastors. Beware the leaders. The only way I know to describe this maybe in in our our, our current cultural situation is that Jesus is sort of engaging on one of these sort of drain the swamp kind of opportunities. Jesus looks around and says, this place is filled with mess and we're going to clean it up. He says, beware the hypocrites, beware the scribes. But notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say beware of what they teach. He says beware of what they do. Turn with me to Matthew, if you would. Kevin preached on there last week, so I just couldn't help it. Didn't want to be one-upped. Matthew chapter 23. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. Just listen, I'm going to read this to you. This is Matthew's account of, of a similar situation, probably the exact same situation. Matthew gives us a little more full understanding. The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you. You see that? But but not the works they do, for they preach but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love the place of honor at feasts and the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. But you are not not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. Notice what Jesus says. Jesus says they know what they're talking about, and yet he still says their condemnation would be great. Do you know that it is possible to know all sorts of things about the Lord and to still bust hell wide open? Do you know that? You should, we should all be fearful to recognize that there will come a day when many who have said, Lord, Lord, will not inherit the kingdom of life. The book of James gives us this warning as James says, Don't be hearers of the word only, 
fooling yourselves, but to be doers of the word. The scribes had become excellent hearers and even teachers of the word, but were terrible observers of God's word. This morning, I considered opening this sermon by holding up a really big mirror and saying, Welcome to the hypocrites. Beware. Beware. Are you a hypocrite? How do we avoid it? First thing, let's jump in this this morning. First thing, beware of who you follow. And that's what Jesus says, isn't it? Beware of the scribes. Beware who you follow. Listen to people and learn from people who can teach you something about something, not just the people you like. You like that? Let's, let's do that one more time. Listen to people and learn from people who can teach you something about something, not just the people you like or the people who are like you. Folks, we live in a world where, where we've elevated experience to a place that's unhealthy. Just because you like the way somebody talks or just because you like their story doesn't mean they actually have something to say. We need to look for good teaching. Jesus said the scribes don't need to be followed for what they do, but he did say listen to what they have to say. Do you know there's some people who don't look like you or talk like you or live like you but still have some really, really important things to say from God's Word? There's some people that can teach you a whole lot that might not look like they got a whole lot to say. We need to make sure that we're working diligently to learn from people who have something to say about something. I recently had a conversation with a guy who owns some shopping centers across the country. I asked him, I said, what is your favorite piece of real estate? I expect to hear maybe Miami or, or Boston. He said, I, I, don't, I don't have favorites. I don't, I don't fall in love with our properties. He said, my job for our company is to make money for, for the company. And if I fall in love with a piece of real estate, he said, I may grow so sentimentally attached that I don't do the things that need to be done for our business to prosper. Folks, let me, let me urge you to be careful that you don't fall in love with how somebody makes you feel. That you don't fall in love with the look and the experience of a particular teacher or pastor or preacher or author or writer. And can I just tell you that the wolves out there are not only way out there. Some of them cuddle up next to you in your own pews. Beware of the scribes, the Pharisees, the wolves, the, the hypocrites that might not just be televangelists on television that might live in your neighborhood. Be careful you don't fall in love with how they make you feel. Because Jesus warned his followers, beware of the scribes. But what was it? Not what they said, but how they lived. Have you ever known somebody who gave a public persona that didn't match their private persona? Have you ever known that? Facebook is so wonderful for this. And Instagram. And all the other grams. What are there? Snapchat and Pinterest. Oh, Pinterest. Oof. You ever known that? Like, Aubrey likes to get Angela's phone. And some of y'all know this about Aubrey. She is a Snapchat little Snapchat diva. 
uh, she Snapchats with, with everybody from Angela. She doesn't have her own phone, but she, she has a, uh, she, well, Angela has a Snapchat account, and Aubrey just Snapchats people in our church. So some of you have received a Snapchat from Aubrey. What's so funny is that um, the, people say, I, I talked with Aubrey yesterday. I'm like, Why, where did you see Aubrey? When I was at camp uh, with the kids, I, I think it was Chelsea, somebody said, I spoke with Aubrey this morning. What do, you, what do you mean you talked with Aubrey? Aubrey's 10. What are you doing talking with, with Aubrey? Well, she, she was Snapchatting me this morning. Uh, from Angela. She's in the car with Angela. What's so funny is that Aubrey's version of the world doesn't necessarily look like world. You got, she's got the phone. She's Snapchatting with somebody like this. She's taking a picture. She's all peacing out or whatever she does with her little poses. What's crazy is she's taking that picture and she's just living her own little world. And in the back seat behind her, the world is exploding. You know? Right? She's holding up a peace sign and it's, it's all happy and glitter. And somewhere, Angela and I are in the background like screaming at her, Where are you? Why aren't you in the car? Well, she's not in the car because she's smiling because she's taking a picture on Snapchat. She didn't snap, you know, hey, got in trouble with mom and dad. She snapped, hey, what's up? How many of you have known people where their their public life didn't match up with, with their personal life? Have you ever known those people that wanted to give marriage advice and yet didn't seem to be able to manage their own relationships? Have you ever known people that wanted to give parenting advice that didn't seem to be able to manage their own home. Guy came to me in the gym one day and offered to train me, to coach me. It was very kind of him. I told him I was just fine. And then I literally, this is no lie. This is, I promise it's the truth. I watched Angela set down a dumbbell and I watched him pick up the same dumbbell and walk off and work out with it. I said, brother, I don't think think that there's a lot right there. Why did you come to me? Why does that make sense? Folks, be careful who we're following. If I'm going to learn to fish, I want to learn from somebody who knows how to catch them, not somebody who knows how to get a, wet, a hook wet. And just because somebody has something to say doesn't mean they have something important to say. Beware of the scribes. Beware of those people who make you feel good all the time. Beware of those people who seem to have it all figured out. See, the scribes had it all figured out. They were all put together. They never showed up in public when they weren't put together. When they walked out, they had their long white robe. They had their tassels. They probably carried something big that would make them look important. Now, understand, not all the scribes were bad. Jesus isn't saying that all of them were bad, but many of them were. They didn't even earn a living of their own. They lived off of the, 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 the gifts of others. They didn't, they didn't draw a salary. And so it was important for some of them to make sure that they looked like they had it. They would never run. They wanted to walk stately. They wanted to make sure that they were recognized and known. Some people who wanted to elevate their status would make sure that they invited a scribe and his followers to attend their feasts so that they would have the religious... I guess it's kind of like inviting the preacher to come to the birthday party to say the blessing. I'm not sure. That was supposed to be funny. Um, Y'all didn't laugh. I don't know if my sermon's this bad or if y'all are like tired, the heat's getting to you. I'm not sure. So the scribes were, man, they looked the part. They looked the part. And when Jesus said, beware of them, I want you to understand, there were some people that responded this way. How dare you? 
That's the godliest person I've ever known. And Jesus says, what have they done to show their godliness? Folks, beware who you follow. It's easy to cuddle up with those who scratch our itching ears and say exactly what we want to hear. Beware, though. Beware of those who preach the right thing but live the wrong way. Beware of preachers in private jets and teachers with multiple marriages. Beware of those who want to lead publicly but can't manage their own household well. The scribes were popular. They were well-known, and they weren't all bad. But Jesus said some of them looked like lambs, but they would devour like wolves. Folks, beware who you follow. And this is hard in the Internet age. Right? Let's just step away from, from the sermon. for just, This is hard. In the, I received a text message from one of our members just last night. And he said, what is this? Big question marks. It was an internet article about you know, the, 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 the liberalism invading the Southern Baptist Convention. I said, it's junk. But it's hard to know. It's hard to know because, look, you just get online and something pops up. It comes into your Facebook feed or you, you search for something and boom, all these 153 different things show up and you don't know where to start. This is one of the reasons why I encourage books and I encourage the Bible because at the very least you know what in the world you're working with. When you pull it off the internet, you don't always know what in the world you've got. Right? Beware of who you follow. Be careful. I would urge you to find those people who have a long history in the church. Not just that they have something to say. I don't care if they wrote a book. I don't care if they have a blog. I want to make sure that they have a history in a local church. A place where they've been discipled, where they've been held accountable, where they've been raised up. I would encourage you to find old people. And the older, the better. Right? Now, I, I'm, I'm 38 years old. I advocate for, for young people preaching and teaching and being raised up in ministry. But folks, let me just tell you, those folks who have been living in the church and exercising their authority, they've been serving the Lord for 30, 40, 50 years, and they continue to have a, 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 a positive perception within the church, those are the folks that we go, hey, they've been tested. They've been tried. They're trustworthy. Sinclair Ferguson was uh, the pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Columbia until, I don't know, four or five years ago. One of the things I appreciate so much about Dr. Ferguson is that he's just one of those guys that stood the test of time. He's been there for years and years and years. I look at, even in our own state, I look at somebody like a Don Wilton, who's the pastor at First Baptist Church of Spartanburg. Dr. Don's been at First Baptist Church of Spartanburg for like 25 years. He's had a public ministry for years and years and years. When I begin to look for evangelism resources, uh, I often will jump straight to the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Why? Because there is a history of years and years and years of faithfulness. Folks, as you try to figure out who in the world you're going to listen to and follow, let me urge you. Avoid those flashes in the pan. Find those people. Kay Arthur that's been doing it longer than I've been alive. Those people that have been doing it for years and years and years. Find people that have already died. You know the best thing about those people that have already died? They can't mess up and embarrass us in the future. I quoted a guy in my dissertation repeat, several times. Um, Listen, he has fallen from grace and is out of ministry. There's no, ch- like, like there's no publishing that dissertation at this point in life. 
I mean, it got dated really, really quick. When he messed up, he messed up big, blew up a whole church. I mean, the whole thing just went crazy. And I got five or six of his books on my shelf, and they might as well just go, go to, to, to the bonfire. Because the God, he, he preached the right thing, but he didn't practice what he preached. Beware who you follow. Be careful. Be careful. Okay? Be careful. Number, number two, know what you know. Yeah, that was the first point. We're going to be here a while. Know what you know. As, as Baptists, we've often clung very closely to an old phrase, no creed but the Bible. No creed but the Bible. Um, it, it's been one of the rallying cries of Baptists. The, the idea behind the statement is 100% right. Let me just say that. That no statement of man should ever rise, can ever rise to the level of authority and importance that this word holds. So when we say no creed but the Bible, what most folks want to make sure you understand is that nobody gets to say words that supersede the authority of this book, period, end of discussion. However, it's important for us to also understand that, that creeds and statements of faith are not all bad. They've been formulated like the Baptist faith and message throughout the history of the church as a way to summarize the beliefs of the church. The oldest of the creeds is the Apostles' Creed. And even though we don't recite that in the Baptist church and we don't necessarily hold it as authoritative, um, Rich Mullins put it to, wasn't it Rich Mullins? Didn't you correct me on that a while back? I know, but he wrote it. Rich Mullins put it to music uh, some years back and, and, and sang the Apostles' Creed. Siler's Ball did it best in their South Carolina group, so we love them the most. But the Apostles' Creed, though not held as authoritative among us in the Baptist church, still is a great summary of what it is that we believe as followers of Jesus Christ. I'm going to read it to you this morning. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, he descended into hell, the third day rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church. That's not the Roman Catholic Church, but the Holy Universal Church. The communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Now, we might not hold that to be authoritative, but folks, we cannot do much better to summarize the Christian faith than to do it with that statement. And I would urge you this morning to know what you know. As you work to avoid self-righteousness and hypocrisy, it's important to know what you know. In a world that increasingly moves away from biblical norms on issues such as sexuality and objective truth, know what you know to be true. And don't back down from it. Don't back away. I'll never forget. I still remember sitting in an Old Testament class in Neville Hall, Presbyterian College, and being informed for the very first time that Moses, first of all, didn't write the first five books of the Bible, according to them, and that Moses didn't actually cross the Red Sea. I had a hard time believing that. And the reason I had a hard time believing that is not because I thought that I was smarter than my professors. Students, listen to me. You're not smarter than they are. This is one of the areas where we really mess up in our, in our apologetics training for students. You're not smarter than your professors. Okay? Right? 
I didn't have to be smarter than they were, though. I didn't need to argue. See, the reason I had a hard time is not because I thought I was smarter or that they were dumb. The reason I had a hard time is because the Word of God said he crossed the Red Sea. You understand? It's not about how smart I am or how smart anybody else is. It's about where do I find my locus, my beginning and my end of truth. I read it in my Bible. And when they said he crossed the Red Sea, I said, I, I, I. Yes, Craig. Probably not quite like that. I said, uh, I said, right here it says the Red Sea. Oh, that's a mistake. Three letters, R-E-D, right there. I got it. Red Sea. Well, but in the Hebrew, what, what does it say? Well, it says the Red Sea, but they meant the Reed Sea. So, oh, okay. So the Hebrew says red. The English says red, but you say read. So look here. When they asked me on my test, what they, I said, what do you want me to answer? You need to write read C. I said, okay, but I don't believe what I'm writing, just so we're clear. Right? Furthermore, I, I did have a question. I was confused as to how it was that God could drown Pharaoh's army in the two inches of water that, that are in the Reed Sea. I couldn't figure that out to save my life. You see, folks, we need to know what we know. And we begin right there as believers in Jesus. We begin not with a science textbook or a social construction. We begin in the beginning. We begin with God's Word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Why do I reject why do I reject the naturalistic, materialistic argument that everything evolved from nothing? I don't reject it first and foremost because of the arguments that exist. And there are some pretty good arguments, the fine-tuning argument and other things of that nature. I don't reject it because it doesn't make logical sense, even though I don't believe it makes logical sense. I reject it first and foremost because the Bible says in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You understand that? See, I don't run to biology to tell me how it all began. I don't run to science to tell me how it all began. I don't run to history to tell me all. First of all, it's, it's history. It's his story. That's why it's called it. I run to his story to tell me how it all began. And the Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You say, Craig, don't you know anything? I say, I don't know much, but I know one thing. I know that it all begins with God. Well, that seems sort of closed-minded. Folks, know what you know. No, how do we avoid hypocrisy? First, before we can even work to avoid being a hypocrite and acting like a hypocrite, we need to know the Word. And we need to know those basic tenets of the truths of God's Word. What are those things? I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was, you ready? Conceived of the Holy Ghost and born of the Virgin Mary. I believe that, Craig. Nobody was born that way. Well, that's exactly why it's a miracle. Just one. Once it happened. Suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. Do you really believe He died on that cross? Yeah, I do. I do. Well, why? Because it says He died. You understand? See, see, for me, I, I don't have to run to all the external things, and there are many of them. Okay, I may need to run to those external things if I'm trying to convince a non-believer to trust the Word of God. But for a believer in Jesus Christ, folks, our faith is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. Not the evidence from outside of God's Word. I stand on Jesus, period. 
And if he is the incarnate living word of God, this is the written word of God. And it is no, no less alive and active than Jesus Christ himself. Know what you know. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be ashamed. You can't very well live by the truth until you know the truth. I actually believe that he rose again from the dead on the third day. I believe it. Like with every inch of my being. You understand? I believe it. I believe everything that the Bible tells me. And I go right there. Folks, let me urge you to know what you know. Just know it. Just be confident in it. Know the word and be confident in the word. Some will laugh at it. Folks, they've been laughing for 2,000 years, but it continues to be true. Do you understand? This is not the first time in history that people have challenged followers of Jesus for trusting the Word of God. Like, everybody wants to throw their hands up in the air and believe that just because it's different, it's the first. This is not. We've got people making fun of Christians and of Jesus as long as there's been a Jesus. They mocked him on the cross, and they continue to mock today. Folks, the question is, will you be willing to know what you know? In a world that challenges everything that the Bible claims, everything that Christians throughout the centuries have held dear, are you willing to stand on those truths? Are you willing to say this is unpopular, but it continues to be where I find my footing? Know what you know. Don't be swayed by it. Don't be carried off. When they come and they say, hey, but what about this? You say, I don't know about that. All I know about is this. Is this. Well, so let me just tell you, and just as a side note, we don't get to chip away at parts of it and keep all of it. We begin to chip away at some of it. We, we sort of lose all of it. There's a, just this week, a once popular evangelical writer has come out this week, uh, not, not wholesale denying his faith, but, but um, uh, really calling into question many of the things about his faith, um, separated from his wife, and it's just, it's just sad, just sad to see. But I, I did think that he was at least honest, because for him, he's not sure that he continues to hold to a biblical sexual ethic. Right? This is what he's saying publicly. But here's what he says. He says, but I know that that's what the Bible teaches. Right? He says, I know that's what the Bible teaches. Here's what he says. He says, for me, if I throw out a biblical sexual ethic, then I've got to pretty much walk away from Christianity. Because I can't just pick and choose the parts I want to follow. He says, and that's where I'm wrestling right now. He said, either all of it's true or none of it's true. And folks, I want you to know that that is 100% true. We either take all of God's word and stand on all of God's word or we're left with nothing. Know what you know. It's okay if it becomes unpopular. It's always been unpopular. Y'all feel like it's just so unpopular today. It's unpopular to hold to a biblical sexual ethic today. Do you know what it was unpopular to do 50 years ago? 
to hold to a biblical, uh, a biblical um, understanding of God's creation of all persons in His image. Like, like I, I don't want us to miss that we're not that far away removed from segregation and Jim Crow laws. We're not that far away removed. Many of you can remember separate water fountains for whites and non-whites. And those people who stood on God's word and says, all men are created in the image of God and deserving of full respect were ostracized. It was unpopular, but it was still the word of God. It's not that today is the first time it's ever happened. It just might be the first time you've ever felt it. Know what you know, and what you can know is what this word teaches. Finally, this morning, practice what you preach. Practice what you preach. Do you know that people have a hard time believing what you say unless they see you living it out? I'm reading a a biography on John Adams, and... uh, it's a beast. It's like 700 pages. So I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to just wrestle through it. And um, came across this, this. Abigail Adams was, was perhaps the most uh, incredible um, first lady that our country's ever known. Uh, she, she, she didn't have any formal education, was sort of self-taught, married at 20 years old. But was one of John Adams' most important political advisors. Um, she and he wrote to one another voluminously um, throughout the, the, the time of the Continental Congress and the, 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 the time leading up to the Declaration of Independence and then through uh, the struggle for independence here in our country. Um, but the, 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 the declaration, the actual declaring, the moment of declaring independence was, was, was not fully understood for quite some time. There were doubts about whether or not people would get on board. Um, in, in the southern states that were so heavily dependent upon um, the, the British uh, exports and things of cotton, they, they weren't initially on board South Carolina, Georgia, North Carolina, didn't want any part of this whole seceding from Britain. Um, uh, and, and, and the New England states were sort of ahead of the game. New York uh, was nervous about what in the world they were going to do. Um, and, then, and then there was Virginia that was maybe the most important of all the colonies. And it was important that Virginia get on board. And at that time... Virginia is going to be dominated by Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson was 33 years old when he wrote the Declaration of Independence. 33 years old. Nobody knows that. Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence because it was believed that um, not only was he as or more qualified than anyone else, but it was also believed that it was very important that a Virginian write the Declaration of Independence. But Abigail Adams questioned... Abigail Adams questioned... The resolve of Thomas Jefferson. And she questioned the resolve of Thomas Jefferson this way. She wrote to her husband, she said, I fear that a man who enslaves others could never have a heart for real liberty. I fear that a man who enslaves others could never stand for real liberty when he's not willing to give it. To others. Man. I had to read that like four times. I wonder how often our Christian witness is marred by those who say, I fear that a person who claims to trust fully and completely in Jesus Christ for salvation 
and yet doesn't live by a biblical ethic. When we talk about avoiding hypocrisy up to this point, I've I've urged you to be careful not to follow after hypocrites, but I want to say to you right now that you've got to practice what you preach. You can't just avoid following hypocrites. You've got to avoid being a hypocrite. Understand that the world is watching, and it is difficult for us to claim Christ and to claim to follow Christ unless our actions show it. We must avoid hypocrisy. But understand, we may be forced to choose between being a hypocrite or being an outcast. We may be forced to choose between being a hypocrite or an outcast. There may come a time in your life when you will decide, I will either fit in with the world around me and live as a hypocrite, or I will live as a faithful follower of Jesus and live as an outcast in my world. Folks, let me urge you that when the time comes to be reminded that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Society will demand that you bend to their mores, but to do so may mean acceptance within a certain sect of society, but it will necessarily mean living hypocritically. Let me urge you to choose faithfulness to Jesus over acceptance by the crowd. Let me urge you to choose faithfulness to the book over acceptance by the crowd. Let me urge you to pursue scriptural fidelity, though it costs you everything. Practice what you preach. Let me also urge you to practice what you preach because the world is watching. I suppose it's, if it's not the first, it's, it's in top five reasons that people in America give for not showing up at church, not attending a church and not following Christ is something like this. Well, churches are just full of hypocrites. Well, if we're real witty, we might tell them that Walmart's full of hypocrites too, but they keep going there. But if we're real honest, we might have to say there have been many who claim to follow Jesus who haven't looked very much like Jesus. See, if we're real honest, we might have to look at some of those people and ask this question. Have you seen me live in a way that doesn't represent Jesus well? If we're real honest, we might actually have to look at somebody and say, Have I done something in my life that turns you away from Jesus? You see, if we're real serious in our belief that the world is condemned and lost without Jesus, then we've got to do more than show up on a Sunday morning. We've got to actually be willing to live crucified lives, to take up our cross, as Kevin preached last week, to take up our cross daily and run after Jesus. You say, I won't fit in. I say, it's okay. Folks, we have a responsibility to carry the good news of Jesus, but we have a responsibility to do so in such a way that we don't just carry it with our mouths, that we actually carry it with our lives. DC Talk is by far my 
favorite Christian band of all time. I think they should have stopped making Christian music when DC Talk broke up. I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? I mean, it didn't get better. That was the epitome. And those of you that don't know who that is, you should repent and go home and Google it. Um, but at the beginning of one of their songs, they had, they had this little statement. I don't even know, I've never looked it up. I don't know where it came from. It says, the biggest cause of atheism in the world today is those who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Does an unbelieving world look at your life and go, unbelievable? The Jesus that they claim is unbelievable. Because that Jesus doesn't look like the Jesus of the Word. Or does an unbelieving world look at your life and go, unbelievable? <laughs> because if Jesus can change them, Jesus can change anybody. Beware the scribes who walk around in their long robes, but they don't actually practice what they preach. Beware the scribes. Don't follow them. Don't act like them. Don't be them. Instead, Look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him, joy set before him, gave his life on the cross of Calvary so that you and I might live. Folks, as we come to the conclusion of our message this morning, I just want to ask you this question. Are you a hypocrite? Now look, I recognize that in a church growth perspective, that's not real comfortable. Not a whole lot of you want to respond to an invitation that says, he asked if I was a hypocrite. Well, here I am. This is not a good PR move. Public relations doesn't work like this. But folks, as, as Kevin preached last week, you gotta, you got to be broken before you can be fixed. we got to be willing to acknowledge our brokenness before we can know the healing power of our Savior. So I just ask you this morning, are you a hypocrite? Are you a hypocrite because you don't share your faith? Yeah, that, that, that's a hypocrite for the record. Are you a hypocrite because you're cheating on your spouse? Are you a hypocrite because you're lying on your taxes? Are you a hypocrite because you harbor hatred for your neighbor? Are you a hypocrite because you gossip and slander? Are you a hypocrite because you found all sorts of things to fill the holes in your heart, but you've not yet loved the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? See, it's easy when we preach these messages of, are you a hypocrite, to then respond with all sorts of legalism and pile up the burdens. See, that's what the scribes and the Pharisees did. They pile you up with heavy burdens, but I'm here to tell you this. I don't come with a burden for you. I come with a Savior. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Are you a hypocrite this morning? Here's my question. Would you come this morning and lay down your hypocrisy?
Would you lay it down at Jesus' feet? Would you say, Lord God, I know that I can't, but God, I know you can. Would you come this morning and say, Lord Jesus, I know that you died on a cross to take away even the grossest, nastiest sins in my life. I know, Lord God, that you died to forgive me of my hypocrisy. I know, God, that you can make what I can't even imagine. That you can undo what I've done. And Lord God, you can transform even the chief of sinners like the Apostle Paul. And Lord God, I know that I lay before you this morning a burden that is too heavy for me to carry. But God, I know that I need not carry it any longer. For you bore that burden on Calvary's tree. Would you come this morning and lay it down? Would you... I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say this. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to assume that there's somebody here this morning who's not lived as a hypocrite. You've lived true to your lost nature. You see, you don't belong to Jesus. You don't claim to belong to Jesus. You know you don't belong to Jesus. You've lived like a child of hell because you are a child of hell. And I want you to know that today you can become a child of God if you would come today. So we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And as we sing, I hope that you'll raise your voices and lift your hands for the Lord Jesus Christ to take those burdens. I want to invite you to come and pray up here for the Lord Jesus Christ to take your burdens. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today, today, please come. Please come. If the Holy Spirit is convicting you of your sin, would you come? Would you forget about what the rest of the world thinks? Would you get over yourself and come to Jesus? He will not turn you away. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would work today in the power of your Spirit. Pray that your word would not return to you void. That God, as we sing, that Lord God, we would offer praises that rise up to heaven, Lord God. There's a fragrant aroma to you. That Father God, we would lay down burdens that though, Lord God, they may be heavy on our shoulders, we would lay them down trusting that Father, we will stand with the light load that belongs to Jesus. God, would you surround us and fill us with the Holy Spirit. Help us to appreciate and acknowledge your grace and to find forgiveness in Jesus Christ alone. In whose name we pray.